it's the 1st of August, 2022. Can all of you hear me okay? Is the sound good enough, loud enough? Okay, good. Alright, so it's the third day of the meditation retreat. It started on the 30th. And you've traveled very far to be here. You traveled with mindfulness. And you had this great intention, sincerity, uh, to be here and to give your wealth, to give your time in order to be here. So having done that, may you really set your hearts on practicing for these nine days uh, through desiring uh, the great benefits that come from this, which is peace of mind or wisdom. And seeing emptiness there within the mind and the emptiness of all things, entering into true happiness. So for some practitioners, this is what they experience and they realize that this is their home, this is their true home, this purity of emptiness. But that emptiness is also filled with happiness as well. And we can't find any limits to it. It's what we call Nibbana. And Nibbana is emptiness. But it's not the case that in emptiness there's nothing at all. There's the highest happiness that's there. So the happiness that we find in the world, that deceives us. It's the happiness uh, that comes from craving or is involved with craving and clinging. And with that craving and clinging, there's never a single day when we feel like we have enough. So for practitioners who wish to get quick results, there is a way to get fast results, and that is getting the mind to a state where it lets go of all the things that we attach to. And so some people ask, well, what do we do if we can't yet do that, if we're still attached to all kinds of things? So in that case, we must, we must practice further, and just like what all of you are doing already developing generosity and cultivating your sila constantly, having an interest in training your minds and getting peace. And this peace gives us the most benefit. Even though that may be a temporary peace that we experience, and still we've met with that, and we know that this gives us another kind of happiness, a happiness that isn't dependent upon external things. It's not involved with sights and sounds, uh, tastes, odors, tactile sensations, or thoughts. But it's the peace that we get from samadhi. And so when we experience that, we feel like this is another kind of happiness, perhaps one that we've never met with before. And when we can enter into samadhi, then we realize the danger and the drawbacks of the agitation 
and the chaos of the mind. And then we see that a mind which is still deluded gives us unrelenting suffering. And even though we don't want to experience that suffering, still we experience it. We want happiness, but the happiness that we get from sights and sounds, uh, tastes, odors, tactile sensations, and our thoughts, they become causes and conditions for suffering to arise. So we need to try and see the drawbacks of this, that all of these kinds of happiness, they're not sure and they don't last. Or just like this body, it may not yet be painful. It may be kind of pleasurable, but that's not always going to be the case. If we sit for long periods, then aches and pains arise within the body. But it's the changing of our posture that obstructs our vision of that. Because if we change, then the body doesn't get so achy. But if we don't change, then we see that clearly, just how much suffering this body can be. And so we can't endure standing, sitting, walking uh, for long periods. Even lying down, we need to change posture. So each time we change our posture, and may all of us contemplate into the pain, the suffering of the body, also the hunger, the thirsts that it experiences. We also need to rest the body to exercise it. And even though we may do all of these things, still it degenerates, deteriorates, following causes and conditioning, following the, cor uh, the course of time. But we still get deluded in these bodies, that there's something that lasts. We also get deluded that they are me. So when we attach to this, attach to the constancy and the selfhood of this body, um, we don't see how it needs to change, how it needs to go according to causes and conditions. So it's the delusion in our mind that makes us attach to this as being something constant. We don't wish for it to change. We don't want for our bodies to get ill. And so when we have these desires, but we don't get them, that causes us to suffer. And so we don't want for the body to get old, to get sick. We don't want for it to die. But then we have to meet with these things. And if we haven't seen the Dhamma, then our hearts suffer. But this is natural, however, this nature of change of the body, it's something that's normal. Old age is normal, sickness is normal, death is normal. Just like we chant, just like we contemplate. And so may all of you contemplate that a lot, until it goes very deeply into your hearts. But the fact that it hasn't yet gone in deep is because there's a lack of peace in the mind. And so the perfectly self-awakened Buddha, he advised us to train in samadhi so that we can experience peace. And if we just experience that calm for a moment, that gives great benefit. It's like some practitioners who have been training for a long time already, 
When they see the state of the Dhamma, they perceive their body break apart into emptiness, and they can't find any bounds to that emptiness, but there's still an awareness there, they know what's going on. And they feel that this is their true home. And even though they're not able to stay there temporarily, they're not able to stay there permanently. This is a kind of taste of a temporary nibbana that they're gaining. And so the mind and the state is far from greed, hatred, and delusion. So the joy that we gain from samadhi is a lot as well. There's an inner contentment. Both the body and the mind feel very buoyant. And perhaps we can, from that state, see all things as being dhamma. We can see people walking about as just being skeletons or just being robots. That there's no being, no me, no other there. And so this is the nature of the dharma appearing. And even in material things we can know this. We can see the dharma there within us, this nature of arising, lasting for a while and ceasing. And for those who see things in this way, they won't desire anything in this world anymore. But it's not the case that they'll then all go and toss away everything in the world and go and ordain. There's even play people who have families, and they can know this, they can have this knowledge in their hearts. And then when they go about their duties, they know that they're just doing their duties. But internally they realize that these things are not sure, these things are changing. And so they have uh, this dhamma there within their hearts. And then they compare all the things of the world uh, to the dhamma, and they realize it just doesn't match up, it can't compare. So just like Ananda Pentika or Lady Visaka, King Bimbisara and his retinue, they had this really uh, strong faith in Buddhism, and they were very well grounded in their practice as well. And they saw the Dhamma to a deep level. In the beginning, however, that starts off from perceiving the dangers of having a mind that is frantic and chaotic. And then we seek out a path to find peace. So just like how we're practicing training together here, training in meditation, making our minds well established. So for all of you, whether you're standing, walking, sitting, lying down, whether you're listening or speaking or eating, even thinking, have a lot of mindfulness there. And for those who are intent on practicing, you should speak little. The people who speak a lot are people who don't have wisdom. So really be intent on just speaking a little, sleeping a little, eating an amount that's just enough, that's appropriate for your body. And for those who have illnesses, um, then it's okay to eat after midday just so that the body doesn't give rise to dukkha vedana, these painful feelings that prevent our progress in the practice. 
So when you set your hearts like this, having effort, then one day you'll meet with peace. And who knows, perhaps the mind will gather together sila, samadhi, panya, this virtue, collectedness and wisdom, gather, and the state of the Dharma appears with great clarity. You know, into the nature of the Dharma, you know that this really isn't me. When the mind starts to proliferate, there's mindfulness and wisdom that's on top of that, that sees through it. And so when we train in samadhi, the minds come to a state of stillness through contemplating death, or through uh, looking at the breath or reciting Buddha, and it comes to this place of quiet and stillness. And then when it starts to proliferate again, then we know that as it happens, we see through that, that that isn't a self. And that kind of knowing is bhavana mayapanya, this wisdom that comes from mental cultivation. And there's a great clarity to that wisdom. We know clearly into the truth. The mind becomes bright, there's joy and inner contentment that arises within the heart. And it's really incredible at this point. And maybe this feeling persists for three days and three nights. If there's great energy to it, then it may even go on for months, perhaps even six months, seeing clearly like this. And if we can see like this, each uh, day, then the attachments that we have to the things of this world uh, reduces, and we see into the nature of um, conventions, how the things of this world, they don't actually have a size, they don't actually have names. All the things around us, Uh, the cars, the buildings, the condos we may have. If we separate that out, there's just uh, steel and sand and bricks. And then if that gets separated out, there's just emptiness that's there. That there's not really anything there. So this arises from a mind which is uh, gathered. So we, we see When these things come together, when they gather together, then we see them as a self. But in truth, that self is not there. It just doesn't exist. So through that we can see the emptiness of all these things. But what we normally see is usually on a very coarse level. We see the self there, but that self, it's not actually there. And so emptiness is form, and form is emptiness. Just like this body that is empty, it's not self, it's not an individual, not a person, not me, not you. And when we see into that emptiness, then we see it as being not self, and we've met with our true home, it's anatta, it's not self. So in seeing things in this way, we see the Dhamma. This is what the Buddha taught for us to see the Dhamma. So for myself, I once had an experience like this as well, that when I was a lay person, I was sincere in the practice, just like all of you are. And one day I was listening to a teaching by Venerable Ajahn Chah, and he was talking about the conventional nature of all things. And then my mind gathered together 
without my even intending for that to happen. I didn't think that was going to happen, but it just came together. I saw into the state of emptiness of all things. The Dharma hall that I was sitting in, all I could see was just arising and ceasing, and this was happening very quickly. It's just this arising and ceasing like this. And joy that arose through understanding the Dhamma, through seeing into the Dhamma, that all things are this way. They're anicca, dukkha, anatta, like this. They're nature to change and they're stressful, they're not self. And so a joy arose that filled up my heart for three days and three nights. And this was the major changing point of my life. I really set my heart on generosity, on virtue, on meditation. I had set my heart on that before, but now seeing uh, this state of the Dharma clearly, that really went deeply into my heart, the teachings of the fully self-awakened Buddha, that his teachings, they give such great benefit, such great value. So may all of you really be sincere in your practice, and maybe one day the Dhamma will appear for you like this, just like I explained. So be firm in your practice, and just carry on doing it, putting in your efforts without letting up. In the beginning, it does require this endurance, forbearance, and sometimes there's peace, sometimes there's not, but just forbear with that. And when the eyes sees a form, the ears hear sounds, uh, the nose contacts odors, the tongue contacts tastes, there's tactile sensations that meet the body, thoughts, emotions arise within the mind, and greed, hatred and delusion come up. But endure with that first. Because initially, there's not really much that we can do. And these defilements, they're the world champion. And it's like we're playing a sport, and we're playing against the world champion. And if we expect to just train for one day and be able to defeat them in that day, well, that's just not going to happen. But if we train each day, each week, each month, each year, then the energy that we gain grows and grows. And even though we may not be 100% victorious, maybe we can gain a 50% victory or a 10% victory, and then through that we gain uh, a great pride within ourselves. And then one day we'll be able to win out and see emptiness. It's like the mind goes to another land. It transcends the world. It experiences this Lokutara Dhamma. So in practicing like this, and doing this, and we win out over the defilement some, and the, world, the mind is able to kind of leave this world to some degree and see into Nibbāna. And this gives a great energy to our hearts. You gain a lot of faith here. And our samādhi can become constant, and wisdom arises each day. And you get to the point where you're able to destroy the delusion in the mind. Um, this, so Sakai Diti, uh, Vichikicha, Silabhata Bharamasa, um, this self-view and skeptical doubts, attachments to rites and rituals, 
that initially that was very um, intense or concentrated, that delusion. Uh, But now we've seen uh, the Dhamma, we've seen clearly, and that delusion uh, goes. And the happiness that comes up is really profound. And the samadhi, which initially we could only reach through difficulty in our sitting meditation practice, now, in whatever posture we're in, when we change our postures, we're just going about normally, we can maintain that peace there, that there's a lightness in the body and mind. And this is what we gain from a meditation practice. And then when we sit in meditation, formal meditation, that samadhi goes even deeper still. And we gain the energy to know clearly into the Dhamma of the perfectly self-awakened Buddha without having any doubts. And those who see the Dhamma, they see the Buddha. So it's the third day of this retreat, and may you all set your hearts on cultivating mindfulness a lot bringing about samadhi and making that firm. And it's not sure that maybe when you're listening to the Dhamma, then you'll be able to see into the Dhamma.